This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Welcome back. It's Kelly and Ramia, and I will say I have a wet spot on my arm because uh, Glasgow has this thing, right, Glasgow? My dog that's in studio with me has this uh, thing where he demands pets by nudging me under, like, at the forearm with his wet nose. And he will do that until you pet him. It's quite the scene. And so Does he lift your uh, he lifts my arm hand up, and wrist up? Not yeah, just the like hand, the, just the forearm. Uh, like, yeah, it just goes right under and nudges with his nose. And he's been doing it so insistently, incessantly, the last uh, two minutes that I have now a wet spot on my arm. Anyways. I love it. it. Yeah, it's pretty. <laughs> that's why the cartoon noise came out, as you called it, Kelly. Yeah, but... The audience didn't get to hear that our upcoming no. guest did, as a matter of fact, <laughs> and wondered, what? What the heck happened? I thought for a moment, hey, why is somebody playing cartoon characters when it's not me doing the voices? Not you. Anyway, folks, it's that time on Thursdays for the Weekly Roundtable. Isn't it convenient that we have a roundtable? Well, it's actually oval. Just say it. The blind guy feels it now, goes, <laughs> well, I don't know. Well, say, I guess it is oval. Kind of oval. Thanks, folks. This is that time where we throw a few things on that round table, settle on back, and Ramya and our guest chat it up. So our guest, uh, we have on the round table quite regularly. Mark Phoenix joins us from Newfoundland. Um, Rum, we talk all the time about that fall feeling, the warmth, and we've decided here on this program that soup and hearty meals, maybe a thick soup, or homemade bread mm. fits the bill. So I happen <laughs> to know of a supplier. I'm not sure how good. I'm not sure how good the bread would be by the time it got to you. But this fellow <laughs> was making it when I asked him to be on the round table yesterday. He put the spoon down and said, yeah, sure. Um, Mark, tell <laughs> us about the soup again. Well, the soup is Newfoundland pea soup, which is oh. pea soup with carrots, potatoes, cabbage, turnip. Listen, and the most, listen. the most important part, salt beef. What? Oh. oh, yeah. Do I even know what that is? Uh, maybe um, not, but uh, hopefully no. you get to find out one day. It's literally just a hunk of preserved beef. You Gosh. take you, you take it out of its package. You soak it the night before to get you know a lot of the salt out. Then you toss <laughs> it in your pea soup, um, and it salts it up real good. And it breaks down all the fat, the connective tissue comes apart and gets into the soup and makes it all thick and yummy and. It d- does it do what pea meal bacon would do? You know, just like a giant chunk of salty meat. Mm. I am not sure what would happen, but you know, if you want to try it, be my guest. No. But, uh... mm. <laughs> hmm? hey. so, so out there, Mark, do you have the? And I don't know how much of a fish person you are, and I know there's been quite a shortage of the cod. But my mother mm. used to be big on the salt pork, cod, and potatoes. And we used to do the same thing. I used to get upset because, why do we have to get most of that salt out of there? I want it just like that. Right. But we'd have little pieces of it mixed in with mm-hmm. the cod. Um, and it was just absolutely wonderful. Um, but very small pieces. It's interesting, the salt, beef, salt, pork connector, as far as I'm concerned, out there. Mm-hmm. And salt fish. I mean, uh, right. fish and brews is something that I discovered when I first moved out here, which is basically fish, 
potato and hard bread all fried up and cooked together. Uh, you can get like, um, you can have it with drawn butter or something called scrunchions, uh, which are like these little salty oh, balls yeah. of bad. Yeah, I they're think good. they're really they absolutely mm -hmm. delicious. Yeah. Um, but basically, yeah, saltfish hash of some kind is just delightful. Um, and I do love seafood. <laughs> so, okay. you know, oh. I'll, uh, I'll oh. eat it up. Would you say you have seafood every few days? Uh, less than you would think. Uh, interestingly, oh, a bad. lot of a lot of people are not big into the seafood uh, oh. around here. Um, it's you know, I, mean, I guess it's a matter of you work around it all day, or it's just a, you know, kind of a yep. cultural thing. But uh, there, you know, fish and chip places are still a big thing here. Uh, we've got a couple nice ones in town here in the town where I am, uh, and of course uh, during you know. Uh, there's a food fishery season for a couple weeks every year where you can go fish your own cod or whatever's, you know, swimming through the bay at that time. Um, but uh, yeah, a lot of, you know, a lot of fried food, a lot of soups yeah. and breads, that kind of thing. You know, it's things that keep you warm during those cold winter mm -hmm. months on the island. There. See you, Muthan? I was waiting for that. I want to check your political uh, thermometer. Speaking of keeping warm, guys, a new poll uh -oh. suggests that almost two in three Canadians have a negative impression of Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and half want him to resign before the next election. Trudeau's Liberals have just passed the eighth anniversary of their first election win in 2015. But a Leger poll of over 1,600 Canadians done last weekend for the Canadian press suggests widespread dissatisfaction with the Liberal government on everything from housing affordability and inflation to health care, government spending and climate change. While affordability, housing and public debt are higher on the reasons people want Trudeau to go, one in five people surveyed said they want him to resign simply because they're just tired of him. Karen Rebo, the Canadian Press. Ramya, I've said oh, wow. this, and you've said it on this program, the guy doesn't have the cachet that his father did, so I understand that, including when his father finished as prime minister, sitting in food courts and actually holding court with people, I've been told, that would come up. You, He, he gave you access. As a prime minister, wow. he gave you access. He was a Montreal Canadiens fan that, you know, rooted publicly for his team. He was out there and on the world market. People loved him. I know when I voted, and I voted for Justin Trudeau the first time, I know I voted for his father. Silly way to vote, right? I would just, mm. maybe the apple doesn't fall from that far from the tree. Um, we also had him at AMI before he was prime minister, uh, which was a really nice visit. But that doesn't translate. He wasn't campaigning, anything like that. Um, and, and it was a nice little visit. Told, tells you nothing about what we now have seen during his tenure, can I ask your feeling on what you hear, the temperature you hear and this poll? Yeah. Do you, do you totally buy right into it? I, oh, absolutely. I mean, first of all, 1,600 people is not a lot. That's what they said, right, the poll. Um, but still, I think that it could be generally how a lot of people feel simply because the last eight years or however many is not a great time to be Prime Minister of Canada. It really isn't. That's like, right. he had to deal with a lot. Um, the parties, all of us, had to deal with a lot. And regardless of who was or could be in his place right now, I think we'd feel similarly, just kind of sick and tired, just kind of over it, just like, you know, there was so much to get to. And I think aside from just holding up all the, the things that uh, the 
party promised and what they had to get to and the agenda items that they came in here with for both terms. Also, they had to deal with everything else and the repercussions mm -hmm. and, you know, the unprecedented X, Y, and Z. Uh, it's just, it's chaos. It's a lot of chaos. So, you know, it is, it feels a little unfair just from, you know, a moral point of view to be like, oh, that sucks. Like, just resign, please, sir. Um, but also, <laughs> you could really understand because I feel very similarly just that can we get a change of pace please like we have too much expectation of what sh shoulda coulda woulda yeah mark i've t confessed to how i voted i'm not sure you did the same a little younger than me and not necessarily not sure what your connection if anything to his father but when we look at what ramya just said this last Eight years, the pandemic alone, the fact that you are going to upset people, especially when you tell them, stay at home, you got to stay at home. I got a what? And so much more. <laughs> yeah, it's been a rough, it would have been a rough few years for any government mm. in uh, their position. And, you know, semi-stable governments in Canada seem to have a hang time of about seven to 10 years yeah. before people just get tired of them. Uh, the distance between the promises they made and the policies they've actually implemented becomes too great. People get restless, uh, you know, looking for someone to blame, you know, rightly or wrongly for their present circumstances. And, you know, the easiest target, often, you know, a good one is whoever is presently in power. And mm -hmm. the distance between, you know, once you get into a job as a politician, you slowly drift away from, you know, kind of really knowing what's happening in the, the wider world, particularly as you get into higher and higher positions, minister, cabinet minister, prime minister. So the fact that, you know, we have a prime minister who was literally born, you know, in into power um, is going to influence how he, how he and the people he selects views things, even though for a while, you know, he did what's considered, you know, real jobs. He was a teacher for a right. while. Right. Um, sure. He was at, yeah, like he's, you know, he's worked with kids, he's, you know, worked with other people. Um, but he's still ultimately someone who wanted to be a politician, who got the big job, who got the top job, who came from that air of, you know, running, you know, running with, um, Ill, you know, people in, you know, high places, upper classes. And, you know, people, you know, they're going to want to find someone else, whether they'll find someone else to settle on, I guess we're going to find out. And maybe in another eight years, we'll find out how sick people are of the new boss. I'm curious how you guys feel he has done with his cabinets and why? Because we know as disabled people, we see someone with a disability. We've seen the efforts to do this. We've seen minorities uh, reflected. And, and again, as we are a more visible country with everyone having cameras and so much going right to right to media, as we've spoken about. Mark, did we do the has he done a good job there? <laughs> middling is how I would call it. Mm. I, I I wouldn't say he's set. I wouldn't say the present government set anything back, but I'm not sure how much progress can be said to have been done. I mean, let's just think back to this last segment you just did discussing, you know, disabled people trying to navigate our air travel system and being humiliated for their trouble. That's something that should not be happening with all the words that have been said about let's have a minister of disabilities and accessibility. Let's have an accessibility officer. And here we are with people still literally having to drag themselves off planes and to find their, you know, their adaptive equipment busted. Um, whether 
I'm just, you know, there's been talk about having uh, something equivalent to the ADA in the U.S. Um, Mm -hmm. There's been talk about having, you know, a disability benefit still hasn't happened. Great words. Where's the beef? Yep. Well, actually, it's in that, you know, soup you've been making. Rami, your reflections (laughs) on this at all. Yeah, I tend to agree with you, Mark, just that we there's nothing that you can point to to say, oh, my God, this was amazing. And I'm very hesitant to the next government would proceed with this momentum. But I do think that there have been some things like puzzle pieces put into place. Yeah. Or to a degree. Right. Like it's works in progress that I think. um, And I do think that there is something to say about not having set back. And that's one thing. Like, there's always a bit of momentum when you think four plus years of a government uh, that the good things are kind of rolling, or at least hopefully rolling, without much interruption. And then you kind of keep your fingers crossed that it'll continue moving in that direction with the next government. But never know. Hey, guys. The USA um, Agency for International Development says it will restart food aid deliveries through Ethiopia in December, following a halt that happened due to massive corruption by local officials. USAID agreed to resume food aid to roughly one million refugees in Ethiopia after the Ethiopian government agreed to remove itself from transporting, storing, and distributing food supplies. USAID officials and the UN World Food Program suspended food aid to the country's Tigray region in mid-March after uncovering a colossal scheme by government officials to steal donated grain. The two agencies suspended their programs across the entire country in June after discovering the theft was nationwide, and officials say it could be the largest ever theft of food aid. The Associated Press has reported that possibly thousands of people have starved to death in Tigray since the suspension. I'm Donna Water. So I always wondered what really happens. As a kid, I'd see all this stuff on TV as the years would go by and you'd get these phone calls back in the day. Hey, will you give to? And that was the biggest concern. Are things going to go really there, Ramya? I don't know if you've had a person in your life that kind of stood by doing this kind of donation, that's supporting and saying, no, I'm giving to these orphans or these children in. Um, I want to see them fed. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Actually, my mother is someone who often um, takes part in programs like this or donation, especially overseas and especially knowing like where she came from in Sri Lanka and the kinds of Mm -hmm. um, situations that she's had to face from here. That's her way of connecting back with situations back back home. Right. Yeah. Giving back and still feeling like she can contribute. Contribute. Exactly. So when you hear stuff like this, it's just so rough to think how much it would kill a person's motivation or um how do you say it? belief right in in, in being able to contribute this way exactly yeah yeah mark have you felt this all your life that is is that been a concern that may have or maybe encouraged you to give or not to well it's an interesting question because i mean i'm i'm always a proponent of mutual aid of supporting other people and you know it's difficult to do when you're 10,000 kilometers away from whatever it is that you want to support. And often the easiest way to support something at that point is donate some money. Now, the question then becomes, do you trust the entire uh, chain Mm. of people to not skim enough off the top that nothing actually gets to where it's supposed to go? Um, 
for a lot of people, uh, they don't have the time or the energy to get their own boots on the ground mm-hmm. and work on something. You might be able to support someone going to work on that. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm thinking back to the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina when uh, a whole pile of people went down there, something called the Common Ground Collective, to help clear out the Ninth Ward, rebuild homes, uh, support people who've been you know, literally washed out of their living spaces. And that was people you know, getting up and going down there Um, for something like this situation in Ethiopia, the most that a lot of people could do hope for is donate to an organization and hope they know what they're doing. And the thing you're going to find with any kind of transfer of resources, someone's going to try to skim off the top. It's a position Mm. of power. Someone's going to look at that and go, I can get some of that for myself. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's, you just had, you know, it's just a matter of, there's a lot of trust involved in these in these yep. uh, organizations and operations, and you got to go in understanding that some people are going to take advantage of that trust, but your focus has to be on w- the cause itself. What are you doing? Yep. How do you make it happen, even through someone trying to walk off with the bag? That is a I hard think, balance to strike. It is. And I think about one of your items you brought when you were filling in for Bill, Mark, and we talked about how much stuff gets wasted because people aren't doing the jobs of the recycling parts and things that need to go that we feel are going somewhere end up not. And I wonder the same thing here. Who in our, because our world, especially here in our own country, is filled with somebody who, well, I, I can't do all this work today. Uh, somebody's off sick. We're sure it can't all fall on me. How much stuff gets wasted, even starting before it even goes overseas mm. to the corruption? Thanks, pal. Well, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say very quickly, the best thing you, you can do, take care of those you know, take care of those close to you, mm. take care of those that you run across in your daily life and go out from there. Yeah. Mark Phoenix joining us. Great words. As usual, fun to have you on the roundtable. We'll see if we can get you back here before Christmas, pal. Thank you. Uh, uh, thank you. I'm sure you'll drag me back in somehow. <laughs> I was told you were bread. volunteering. Okay. <laughs> Maybe. Bread. Yes. And so, sh- yeah, always push. <laughs> volunteering. Anyway. It keeps some people out of the contributor money. Mm-hmm. Um, we do the round table once a week on Thursdays right here. I stopped using the word victim of the round table, so I really did start believing that they were volunteering, but uh, now we've different got a B, second a different guess. Yeah. We're going to take a break and come back to wrap the show here with you. We've got the teaser for the Friday edition of Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv as well, so stick around for that. We'll be back with more of Kelly and Ramya after this short break. I'm Margaret Shepard of the AMI podcast, Tripping On Air. Every month, my co-host Alex Hajar and I spill the tea on what it's really like to live with MS. Watch Tripping On Air on YouTube or download wherever you get your pods.